Hello everyone, welcome to the Luke Law. A quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I share some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. This episode I want to tie into an upcoming project by artist Wanda Frazier and do a quick exploration of urban legends. Urban legends are very much a modern branch of folklore that are campfire stories we bring indoors with us. Not quite as recent a phenomenon as online creepypastas, which will have their own episode soon, but they're very grounded in contemporary life. With that grounding comes an extra chance to freak us all out, as these can land very close to home. Starting with a classic. Okay, here's a great simple introduction to the concept. Someone is driving home late at night, let's say a taxi driver going home at the end of a shift. En route, taking them past a local graveyard. They see a teenager holding their thumb out for a lift. Now, while technically a taxi driver and not even working right now, they feel sorry for this teen stuck out alone at night. The teen gets in the back, and the taxi driver tries to talk to them, but the teen just isn't chatty. Eventually, the off-duty taxi driver loses patience, as the teen at the very least needs to tell them where they are going to, so they go from trying to talk to the figure they see in the rearview mirror, to turning back to see them face to face. Only when they turn back, no one is in the back seat. Phantom hitchhiker stories are a truly global phenomenon. If people drive, there are stories of picking up a ghost. How elaborate these stories get varies wildly, sometimes involving a jacket with a name in it that leads back to a grave in the graveyard. Sometimes there's no graveyard at all. The phantom hitchhiker was picked up at a roadside memorial to someone who sadly lost their life in a traffic accident. Or it's just a haunted road because whatever. But this story gets retold a lot. Campfire stories, childhood sleepovers, social media threads of ghost stories. Urban legends may not always be scary, but what they're really good at is spreading. I've got some good ones to share this episode, and an obscure, slightly nonsensical one from my childhood that's fun for me to retell coming at the end. The Perils of Being a Hormonal Teen Two teenagers drive up to the local makeout point, a place close enough to town it won't take long to get home from, but far enough away it isn't likely you'll be disturbed by accident. Fans of horror movies from the 60s through to the 80s will definitely have seen these, some nominal privacy along with a mutual understanding of what you are there to do. These teens do what teens do and fool around to the music of the local radio. Clearly the cell phone signal sucks there, or else it would just be Spotify. But that's an added bonus if you think about it for a makeout spot. No phone calls from a parent to disturb them. Although if the teen is local, there's a fair chance they were conceived at that makeout point, and if the parents really want to track them down, they're in trouble. Anyway, radio. It still exists apparently, and the teens are PG-13 making out to it when an emergency news broadcast plays, as we don't do smut on Luke Law, only wholesome terror and death. We apologise for the interruption, but we have important news. A criminally insane inmate being transported between mental health wards escaped, and authorities worry they will return to their previous haunts. Please remain indoors while they are apprehended. Do not accept hitchhikers. This report will be repeating every 15 minutes. Everyone, please stay safe. This patient is to be considered armed and dangerous, and has a prosthetic hook for a hand. This alarmed the passenger teen, who wasn't too into the makeout session anyway, and they now just want to go home. The driver teen, who was pretty into the makeout session, doesn't want to go just yet. 
They convinced their heavily petted friend to stay a while as the news only just broke and they need to be home soon anyway, so hormones trump common sense and the makeout session continues. But they hear a noise, a scraping sound along the side of the car. When they attempt to look out the windows, they can't see anything, so the driving team attempts to shrug it off. The more sensible passenger is having none of it, and demands they go home to make out another day when there are less dangerous, criminally insane wanderers in the area. Reluctantly, the driver gives in for the night. As they pull away, there's a strange jerk and a fud. The driver wants to get out and investigate, but it doesn't take much yelling at them to just go home instead. When the passenger teen is dropped off, they scream after they close the car door. The driver gets out in a rush to come and see what the big deal is, and they scream too when they see the prosthetic hook in the passenger side door handle. A door both realise, with sinking horror, was not locked. The hook is a classic, told around many a campfire from a time before cell phones and roaming internet data when the radio was much more likely to be used. It has assorted more extreme variations with all sorts going on, up to including a hanging with dangling toes on top of the car, but the core remains the same. The hook is mandatory, you should listen to common sense over hormones, and the radio still serves an important function for local news. A famous Japanese lady in a surgical mask. Okay, over to Japan next, so dial the terror up a few notches. The Japanese don't mess around with their skirts. This, now, has a bit more of a global impact thanks to mask use being adopted out of necessity. Flashback to the 70s. Cram school got introduced in Japan, a way for the children to go back to school in the evening for intensive extra tutoring. This strange cruel practice is not the scary story we are focusing on, although it sounds bad enough. These poor victims of cram school would then be leaving to walk home much later than usual on the night streets. Now that children are stuck walking home at night, a tale of a strange and dangerous woman stalking those streets. She wears a red dress in a lot of these stories, usually holding a pair of scissors, but it can be a sickle depending on which variation you hear, but three things remain constant across the tellings. 1. She likes to approach children in the street to ask them the same question. 2. She wears a surgical mask to hide something terrible. 3. She likes to show what she's hiding behind the mask. So the question this strange woman stalking the night streets hunting children asks... If she can catch up to the children, and she always seems able to, she will ask them, Am I beautiful? Should the answer be no, she will fly into a rage and kill the child with her scissors. Should the answer be yes, she will then remove her mask to reveal that her mouth has been split open from ear to ear and ask her question again, Am I beautiful? Answer no, same as before, her victim will be killed with her scissors. Answer yes, and she will happily answer, then I shall make you beautiful like me, and she uses her scissors to split open the mouth of her victim. To escape her, you need to confuse her or cause a distraction. A non-committal answer such as saying, eh, your average, can cause her to pause, allowing a swift escape. Likewise, not answering but instead throwing money or hard candy to her can buy you that pause and let you get away. So, yay! The Kochisake Honor, or Slipmouth Woman. 
They're pretty well ingrained into modern urban legend and folklore in Japan. Any child there could tell you some version of this story, and there are loads of pop culture depictions of her. They can be viewed as an onryo, a powerful and dangerous spirit of indiscriminate vengeance who suffered the terrible fate and is now lashing out at people around them. Or else they're more analogous with yokai, making Nikochi Sake Honor a modern-day monster woman of Japan. Any which way you cut it, possible pun, this fits perfectly with Japanese folklore surrounding the knowing of the rules to make your escape, or else you are doomed, typically there being a third way out of a paranormal dilemma there's otherwise no escape. Babysitter who deserves danger pay. Okay, I'm using a variant of this one, because I think the added detail here is awesome. It's a detail plenty versions of this story do fine without, but it's a great garnish to this tale of babysitting peril. It was a last minute babysitting job, and the parents are extra fussy, but the pay is good and the parents really wanted this babysitter, as their usual wasn't available but recommended this substitute. After the long list of what not to do was gone over, the parents leave for their night out and their only child was already put to bed. All the babysitter needs to do is keep an eye on the child and the house for an easy payday. As requested, the babysitter pops in to check on the sleeping child every hour. They aren't too happy doing this though, as there's a creepy life-size clown toy sat in a rocking chair in the corner of the room. After checking on the child at midnight, the babysitter just sits back down on the couch when the landline rings. A breathless voice describes what they're wearing and starts to laugh. Panicking, the babysitter checks all the downstairs windows as they ring the parents on their cell phone. Hello? Oh, thank God I reached you. I think some creepers outside the house looking in. Oh, 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 okay. We're heading back now anyway. Please make sure everything is locked and then can you sit in with our child while we get there? I just checked all the downstairs doors and windows. Do you mind if I move the big clown toy to sit on the rocking chair? Clown toy? Yeah, the big life-size one sat in the kids' room. Hello? Are you still there? Listen very carefully. Call the police and go get a neighbor to help right now. We don't own a life-size clown toy. This is a fun-slash-horrific variation of the call came from inside the house story. I'm kind of regretting this version now, actually. Maybe don't listen to this episode while babysitting? something special if a little dumb. Okay, this is a childhood ghost story, and as such, doesn't hold up to logic so good. Children don't traffic in logic, but the imagination involved is top-notch. Some elements will sound familiar. Uh, I compared stories online recently, like um, people were asking about childhood ghost stories, and there's a little bit of a missing toe story in here, and I've heard killer doll tales of a similar rhythm to how this plays out. But this is a slice of my childhood which stuck with me across the years, also to be told in my personal style. This is Johnny I Want My Liver Back. A little boy called Johnny had just lost an older relative, a distant one he didn't really know, who was now stored in the local morgue. Johnny knew all about this, and it didn't really bother him. Johnny's parents give him money to go to the butchers with and buy a liver for dinner. Only there was another shop Johnny was more interested in along the way. A toy shop, with a toy he wanted more than anything. Now, little Johnny was three things. Greedy, unafraid of death, and a rotten little brat. Johnny knew he could get a liver for free, and he really wanted that toy. 
So Johnny comes home with liver wrapped in newspaper and a story about finding the toy he really wanted sat abandoned in a drain. They ate well that day with the nice big liver little Johnny brought back from the morgue and he got to have the toy he wanted. Only that night, it began. At midnight, Johnny heard in a sing-song voice, Johnny, I want my liver back. I'm at the doorstep. This frightened Johnny, but the voice was gone as soon as it came. He checked the next day and no one else had heard anything, so he just thought it was his imagination. Then, the next night, he heard in the same sing-song voice, Johnny, I want my liver back. I'm in the hallway. Little Johnny began to panic. While he didn't care much about what he had done, Johnny did get the toy he wanted after all. He knew he couldn't explain what had happened without getting into a lot of trouble. So he said nothing. And then, that next night at midnight, came the same sing-song voice. Johnny, I want my liver back. I'm coming up the stairs. Then, the night after. Johnny, I want my liver back. I'm on the landing. Then, the night after that one. Johnny, I want my liver back. I'm at your bedroom door. That very next day, little Johnny tried to sneak back into the morgue, hoping to swap a stranger's liver into the body of this distant relative and get away with what he had done. Only in the time that had been wasting, the relative had been buried. Johnny hadn't even realised. He'd just been so preoccupied. So then it came, that night, at midnight, little Johnny was sat up in bed, holding on to his ill-gotten toy, hoping to offer a trade when the sing-song voice came again, and this time from inside his room, from the foot of his bed. Johnny, I wanted my liver back. Now I'll take yours instead. Little Johnny was missing, come that next morning, and no one could find him anywhere until someone looked in the graveyard, on top of the disturbed fresh grave of this distant relative. His new toy gripped tight in his cold, dead hands, and his liver ripped clean out of him. No one ever did find little Johnny's liver. No one thought to dig up the grave where they found him, where the body beneath held little Johnny's liver in its cold, dead hands. Bit of a daft one, that, but it's a really fun one to tell, especially when you get the sing-song voice on. That's all for this episode. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Wanda comes up with for the Urban Legend series. Not expecting Johnny I Want My Liver Back, but we covered some awesome classics here today, so wait and see if she covers them. Do you have any cool Urban Legends to share? I definitely want to hear from you, and let me know if you'd like a shout-out as a contributor on a future Urban Legends episode. If you do want to contact me, then there's a show's dedicated email, lukelawgsg at gmail.com. I've not really checked it that much because it's not really been active. People keep coming to me through social media, but we have had our first proper emails through there now, so I'll be keeping a much closer eye on that. Hopefully that's the damn breaking. You do also have the general show email of ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Both myself and the main show are really easy to find on Facebook and Twitter if you want to make day-to-day contact, as well as a very active Instagram account a lot of the community gets involved with. The Luke Law Instagram is starting to pick up a little bit now, mostly memes, but I am planning to get out and about and actually get some good photography of my own to stick in there. If you want to support the show directly, definitely check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. 
It'll get you access to all sorts of GSG goodies at different tiers. My incentive being that lukewarm episodes go out to patrons a little bit early. As ever though, the absolute best thing anyone can do to support my show is to give it a listen. Share this around if you think you might know someone who might be interested. Leave a review if you get the chance to help signal boost me. Most of all, I simply hope that you enjoy what I'm doing here. Goodbye for now. <laughs>